Good morning. New details emerging in that frightening attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband. What the House Speaker and police are saying this morning. It is October 31st. This is today. Inside the investigation, authorities reveal the suspect who broke into the Pelosi San Francisco home was carrying zip ties. He was looking for Mrs. Pelosi. And had a history of posting radical conspiracy theories online. The speaker saying her family is traumatized this morning. Her husband still in the ICU. We'll have the very latest. Halloween tragedy, a growing memorial to the victims in a deadly weekend stampede in South Korea. More than 150 people killed, at least two Americans among the dead. There was panic coming towards us. Some shouts of fear. Just ahead, new details on what led to those chaotic moments. All eyes on the Supreme Court. The justices set to take up the controversial issue of affirmative action today, where they're live with the historic cases after decades of division that could impact millions of students. Those stories and it's official. What we're now learning about Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen's divorce after 13 years of marriage and months of speculation, how it went from filed to finalized in just one day. Plus, get your tickets inside the lottery fever from coast to coast ahead of tonight's Powerball drawing. The jackpot worth a whopping $1 billion and counting. And happy Halloween. It is the biggest day of the year on our plaza. And as always, we are pulling out the stops. We're betting big on our can't miss costume reveal today, Monday, October 31st, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. Welcome to Monday and happy Halloween. We got a big reveal in store. We got a packed plaza. <laughs> we have ready. two ambulances just on standby. <laughs> we'll let you know why. But probably it'll be all right. You know, yeah. we like to go big on Halloween yeah. and this year is no exception. <laughs> Speaking of Halloween, after a busy weather weekend, Al is keeping an eye on some severe storms on the move. What that means for your night of trick-or-treating. Just Ooh, ahead. Oh, there indeed. it is. But we are going to begin with new information on that attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Three days later, he remains in the hospital. He's being cared for in the ICU. San Francisco's district attorney has now confirmed the suspect was looking for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And sources say he had a bag of zip ties with him at the time. NBC's Miguel Almaguerres at the San Francisco hospital where Paul Pelosi is recovering and in the ICU this morning. Miguel, good morning. Savannah, good morning. A source with information on the, on, the, on the topic tells NBC News that Paul Pelosi does remain in the intensive care unit. As his son was seen leaving the hospital yesterday, he was asked how his father was doing, and he said, quote, doctors are carefully rebuilding him. It comes as we learn more information about the suspect, including some troubling posts online. This morning, the hammer-wielding intruder, who allegedly broke into the Pelosi home through a back door, facing attempted homicide charges after striking 82-year-old Paul Pelosi in the head. The House Speaker has been spending time at the hospital with her husband, who's recovering from life-threatening injuries. It happened early Friday morning when 42-year-old David DePap allegedly broke into Pelosi's San Francisco home. Sources saying he shouted, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? 
he was looking for Mrs. Pelosi. But the Democratic leader was across the country in Washington, D.C. Instead, police say the suspect confronted her husband, who dialed 911. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is. Police credit the quick-thinking dispatcher who picked up on Pelosi's clues that he was in immediate danger and sent help within minutes. It was life-saving in my opinion. Officers arriving at the scene amid what they describe as a struggle over the suspect's hammer. Police tackling DePap, but not before they say he fractured Pelosi's skull and seriously injured his arms and hands. Investigators later revealing they found zip ties inside the home. Pelosi undergoing surgery over the weekend. The speaker saying Saturday his condition continues to improve. The focus now turning to the suspect's digital footprint, a personal blog published under his name, brimming with far-right extremism, conspiracy theories like QAnon, and anti-Semitic postings. Democrats, including President Biden, sounding the alarm. You can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real. Republican lawmakers echoing concerns. And we've got to do everything we can to lower the rhetoric. A call for civility after a savage attack on the husband of the Speaker of the House. So disturbing, Miguel, and this comes amid a growing number of threats against members of Congress. Yeah, that's right. Threats to the members of Congress are up 144 percent in recent years. And Savannah, as you know, we're just days away from the midterm elections. Savannah. Miguel Almier, thank you very much. Also this morning, survivors of a terrifying stampede at a weekend Halloween celebration in South Korea are now sharing their harrowing stories. This as we learn more about the two Americans who died. NBC's Janice Mackey Frayer joins us with the latest on the story. Hey, Janice, good morning. Hoda, good morning. The numbers out of Seoul are staggering. More than 150 dead, at least 130 injured. Dozens are in critical condition, crushed in a surge of people out partying on a Saturday night. It's a disaster that has shocked the world and plunged South Korea into mourning. This morning, the narrow alleys around Seoul's Itaewon area are still littered with debris. From a night that was supposed to be festive, and turned catastrophic. Tens of thousands packed the streets, crowds so massive that witnesses say it was hard to move or breathe. Pushing then triggered a slow motion stampede. People were crushed, calls for help muffled by loud music. Soon body after body was on the ground. Sophia Akiat, a doctor visiting from Florida, performed CPR on victims. I see about 20 to 30 bodies of people and debris everywhere. Among the dead, two American college students doing semesters abroad, Anne-Marie Gieske, a nursing junior from Kentucky, and Stephen Blessy, a 20-year-old business major from Marietta, Georgia. His father, Steve, calls the loss of his son unbearable. In a text message, he said, if I could take his place, I would. How the tragedy could unfold with reports of few police around at the time is the focus of an investigation into what went wrong in terms of crowd control. Even now, emergency hotlines are flooded with calls about people missing. At a local community center, relatives and friends seek news and support. It was just obviously waves of people coming in, and I lost my friend. 
There is a period of national mourning here now for a country still in shock. The investigation is looking into reports there weren't enough police in the area at the time, that they had actually diverted resources to a political protest. Police officials admit that they didn't detect a surge in the crowd that night and they didn't weren't able to do anything to stop it. Nearly all the victims have now been identified. Uh, the majority of them are in their 20s and 30s, and most of them are young women. Hold on. Such a heartbreaking story. Janice Mackey-Frayer for us there. Janice, thank you. We got breaking news overnight from Ukraine. Russian forces launching a massive new wave of missile strikes, pounding targets in Kyiv and other cities across the country. NBC's Molly Hunter is in Ukraine's capital for us this morning. Molly, good morning. What's the latest? Savannah, good morning to you. What's different about the attacks this morning is that critical infrastructure is getting hit across the country. Now, we're in the Kyiv region. This is as close as the military is letting us get to the impact site. We've driven past the impact site. We have seen two smaller craters and we have seen critical infrastructure of a power plant that was smoldering, that is damaged. Now, according to the mayor of Kyiv, Vitaly Klitschko, this power plant supplies power for 350,000 apartments in Kyiv. Most of those people without power this morning. During Monday morning rush hour, a massive barrage of Russian missiles targeting the capital. Here in Kyiv, the first explosions heard just after 8 a.m. The city's mayor, Vitaly Klitschko, reporting critical infrastructure was hit, knocking out power to some 350,000 apartments. And across the country, strikes reported from the southwest to Zaporizhia to the easternmost city of Kharkiv. The Ukrainian armed forces claiming to have shot down 44 out of 50 rockets. Over the weekend, Russia accused Ukraine of attacking warships in the Black Sea in occupied Crimea. The Russian warships that are used to launch cruise missiles into Ukraine. On Saturday, Russia suspended its support for the grain deal, halting all tankers from leaving Ukrainian ports on Sunday. The World Food Program chartered ship Akaria Angel, carrying 30,000 tons of wheat, was bound for the Horn of Africa. Delayed by a day, this morning, according to Ukrainian officials, 12 ships, including the Akaria Angel, have left Ukrainian ports, even without Russian cooperation. Now, it's not just the 350,000 apartments that lost power this morning. That also means emergency rolling blackouts for everyone else in the Kyiv region. Now, critical infrastructure was hit across the country. The other thing in the Kyiv region we've learned this morning, 80% of households are now without water. This as we head into a very cold winter. Savannah? Molly Hunter and Kay for us, thank you. Here at home, all eyes are on the Supreme Court today. The justices will hear arguments in two cases that could profoundly change the role of race in college admissions nationwide. NBC's Kelly O'Donnell is at the Supreme Court for us. Kelly, good morning. Affirmative action on the docket today. Yes, good morning, Savannah. This is a high-stakes, high-profile day for the Supreme Court this term. Affirmative action at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Both schools say they use race as one component of a holistic look at students' applications, and they believe that that brings about a diverse campus that benefits everyone on their school campuses. But a conservative group that represents Asian American and white students says that the use of race violates federal law 
law and constitutional rights where race cannot be used to discriminate against a group for individual educational benefits. And this is a case, of course, that's attracted a lot of attention. And separately, nine states have already passed their own state laws saying that affirmative action cannot be used in college admissions. Savannah? Kelly, obviously, this is an ideologically conservative court. The fact that the court took these two cases, many legal observers suggest that may mean it is ready to strike down affirmative action. That is the sense, Savannah. This is a supermajority, six conservatives, three liberal justices on the court. And because the lower court had upheld affirmative action in college admissions, there is a sense that these justices want to look at that issue and may be willing to overturn it. Now, Justice Jackson, the newest to the court, had a relationship with Harvard on a board there. So she is recusing herself from the Harvard case, but not the University of North Carolina case. And because of the volatile issue here, there have been many interest groups across a wide spectrum who have communicated to the court through their briefs saying that when you take race out of the application process, you end up with fewer minority students on campus. And so there is still a need for affirmative action. While others who oppose this say the time has come to eliminate race when it comes to education. Savannah? Kelly O'Donnell, big day at the court today. Thank you very much. 13 minutes after the hour, Craig joined us. Midterms fast approaching. Oh, fast indeed. Hold us, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Things are, in fact, heating up on the campaign trail because there are just eight days left until those midterms. And with polls showing tight races in several battleground states, both parties are bringing in reinforcements. NBC's Chief White House Correspondent, Kristen Walker, joins us here in Studio 1A this morning. Kristen, good morning to you. Craig, good morning to you. That's right. Big names in both parties are hitting the trail in this home stretch with issues like the economy, abortion, and concerns about the nation's democracy front and center. But with millions of early votes already cast, will it be enough? With just eight days until the critical midterms and control of Congress at stake, both sides are ramping up in key states. One of the most important states, Georgia, where overnight Democratic candidate for governor Stacey Abrams and incumbent Republican governor Brian Kemp clashed over key issues like abortion and the economy in a debate. Former President Obama was also there over the weekend, along with events in Wisconsin and Michigan, trying to energize voters. And in Detroit Saturday, while condemning violent rhetoric after the attack against Paul Pelosi, Mr. Obama unleashing this response to a heckler. This is what I mean. I mean, we're having a conversation. Plans are coming together for Mr. Biden and Mr. Obama to campaign in Pennsylvania this coming Saturday, the same day former President Trump will be there. It's where one of the most hotly contested Senate races is unfolding between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz. Republicans striking a confident tone. We're going to keep all 21 that we have up. Um, I think the hardest has been uh, Pennsylvania, but Dr. Oz will win against Fetterman. President Biden voted early in Delaware this weekend alongside his granddaughter, Natalie, who at 18 cast her ballot for the first time. Mr. Biden trying to make the case the election shouldn't be about him, despite his struggling poll numbers. I'm going to be spending the rest of the time making the case that this is not a referendum. It's a choice, a fundamental choice, a choice between two very different visions for the country. With polls also showing Republicans have the momentum, for now, they are aiming to put the focus on voters' top issues, from the economy to crime. It's going to be competitive. No one gives you a majority. You have to earn it. 
Now, Democrats are actually on defense in some unlikely races, including here in New York, where First Lady Jill Biden campaigned for incumbent Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul, while Florida governor and possible presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis campaigned for her competitor, Lee Zeldin. Guys, all of it underscoring Republicans' confidence heading into this home stretch. Yeah, just eight days away. Kristen Walker. Yes. Kristen, Thanks, thank Kristen. you. Kristen. Let's get our first check of the weather, the old trick-or-treat forecast. Yes. That's right. Uh-oh. All right, let's start off a little tricky right now, especially in the Midwest, moving into the Northeast. We've got showers and some light thunderstorms pushing through, double-barrel low-pressure system, isolated rain possible along the East Coast, but that won't happen until later tonight on into early tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow, those lingering showers hang around across New England, a limited severe risk. We're not going to be too worried about any heavy rain. So for your trick-or-treating today, showery spells in the Pacific Northwest, but gorgeous as you make your way through the Southwest. Some spooky sprinkles through the Ohio River Valley, scary showers down through the Southeast for tonight when all the little ghouls and goblins come out to play. We're looking for ghostly cloudy skies in the Northeast, but it should stay dry. Spooky showers through the Southeast, beautiful through the South. Southwest and a tricky mess as you make your way into the Pacific Northwest. And that's your latest webcast. All right, Al, thank you so much. Uh, coming up, what appears to be a major break in the murders of two teenage girls in Indiana that have gone unsolved for years. Kathy, we're going to hear something from police today. Hoda, that is absolutely right. The announcement could happen in a matter of hours from now. And after five years, we might have some closure in the Delphi murders. We'll have the details coming up. All right, Kathy, thank you. And then from filed to finalized on the same day, new details behind Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen's divorce and what they are saying about their split. But first, this is today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed back now seven thirty this halloween morning we got some incredible costumes look at these check out mannequins a group of mannequins i think they're part of our next deals to deals program are they real I don't know. Let's zoom in. Let's see. They're a little stiff. Can they move? They're a little stiff. Oh, I think they're real. I don't know. Well done. Well, we cannot wait to head out there. Look, (laughs) people came as they always do. They came dressed. We're ready. We can't wait to go out and visit with those in our crowd who uh, put on some cool costumes. They Uh, understood the assignment on this Halloween. All right, let's get to your headlines. It's 7.30 Monday morning. We'll begin with breaking news overnight. Military teams are searching for victims after a pedestrian bridge collapsed in western India. More than 130 people were killed. 
A warning now, the video you're about to see is disturbing. It shows the moment the bridge gave way, sending dozens of people into the river below. The 19th century suspension bridge had just reopened four days earlier after repairs. Officials say it collapsed because it was overloaded with tourists. Now to a stunning political comeback in Brazil. Leftist Lula da Silva defeated his bitter rival, far-right President Jair Bolsonaro, to secure his return as the country's leader. Da Silva was Brazil's president from 2003 to 2010. He is credited with building an ex extensive social welfare program and helped lift tens of millions into the middle class. But in 2017, he was convicted on corruption and money laundering charges. He spent 19 months in prison. We move now to what could be a major breakthrough in a five-year-old murder mystery in Indiana. Yeah, today authorities are set to reveal some new details from the investigation into the unsolved 2017 killings of two teenage girls. NBC's Kathy Park is in Delphi with the very latest. Hey, Kath, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. For the last five years, a small community of Delphi, Indiana, has been searching for answers in the killings. And just a few moments ago, police announced an arrest. Richard Allen is now in custody, charged with two counts of murder. This morning, a major break in the case of Abby Williams and Libby German, two teenage friends who were murdered in Indiana five years ago. Police announcing in a news conference that they have made an arrest. And an arrest has been made. Thanks to literally hundreds of media outlets that have been steadfast in reporting and keeping the memories of Abby and Libby front and center. Indiana authorities saying that Richard Allen is in custody. There's a sigh of relief, but it's not over yet. The two girls, ages 13 and 14, were last seen alive on February 13, 2017, walking on a trail near the Monon High Bridge in Delphi, Indiana. Their bodies were found the next day by a nearby creek. Their families and authorities never giving up the search for their killer. On Friday, Libby's older sister, Kelsey German, tweeting that today is a day, a phrase a family has used in the past in their search for justice. Earlier in the investigation, police releasing these two sketches of a suspect and this video of a man on the trail that included chilling audio that Libby was able to capture on her cell phone, the menacing voice saying... Over the years, police have investigated a number of people in connection with the case, but previously no one has ever been charged with the murders, leaving residents of this small town on edge. You know, it hurts me, you know, because I have little kids too, and I don't want them to grow up and, you know, live in fear. Bill Carbaugh lives near the creek where the girls were found. He told authorities he believed the killer lived in the area. Yeah, they talked to many, many people. They talked to me, and I, I told them that... When they find him, I think he'll be either local or he's been local because he knows the crick. He knew where to go. And for the last five years, officials have been combing through tens of thousands of tips, and they say that the investigation is far from over, and they say that they're actually looking for additional tips from the public. And uh, right now, as you can imagine, there has been growing anxiety and fear over the years, but many residents say that there is some closure and peace because of the announcement of this arrest. Meanwhile, just a few miles away from here, there's a growing memorial for those girls. Kathy Park, looking Oda. forward to that. Thank you.
Well, still ahead this morning, we are going to take a turn and go inside last night's star-studded celebration honoring the life and music of Loretta Lynn. And guess who was right there? Hoda and Jenna in Nashville. And will tell us all about that special night. First, though, Sam Brock is going to join us with some new details on Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen's divorce and how, how it became official so quickly, Sam. Craig, irretrievably broken. What we are learning about the details of the filings for a divorce between Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen, how it happened so quickly, like you said, Craig, and what they did to try to protect their children during this painful process. That story coming up right after this break. We are back at 739, and after months of speculation, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen suddenly announced the end of their 13-year marriage. Yeah, many people spent the weekend asking, how were they able to get divorced so quickly? Well, it turns out there was a lot that led up to it. Yeah, NBC Sam Brock has more on the story. Sam, good morning. Yeah, Savannah, guys, good morning. Certainly a lot at stake in this. And the speculation, as you said, did go on for months, but the execution of the divorce was quick. Giselle Bunchen filing those papers on Friday in Glades County, Florida, a judge approving it the very same day. Now, neither one aired anything critical about the other. Divorce experts say it was very evident they were doing whatever they could to soften the blow for their kids. After weeks of speculation about a possible rift, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen's marriage is officially over. The high-profile pair, together for more than 13 years, moved quickly to end their marriage. Court records show their divorce was filed and finalized on the same day, with their relationship described as irretrievably broken. The two confirming the news on social media, saying their divorce had been reached amicably. Bunchen writing, the decision to end a marriage is never easy, but we have grown apart. Brady adding in his own statement, we are blessed with beautiful and wonderful children who will continue to be the center of our world. Just hours after finalizing their divorce, Brady was spotted out at the movies in Florida with his two kids he shares with Boonjin, and later in the weekend, helping to hand out food to Florida communities rocked by Hurricane Ian. According to court documents, the star quarterback and supermodel reached a settlement which included a parenting plan days before Boonchin officially filed the documents. They want to make sure that this agreement is kept away from the rest of the world, and they're working really hard to protect it. The details of their settlement and custody agreement remain under wraps, as their combined fortune is reportedly worth hundreds of millions of dollars. For years, Boonchin was the highest paid model in the world, and according to Forbes, Brady is currently the NFL's biggest earner, raking in more than $75 million in 2022. This as Brady's performance on the field has suffered in his 23rd year in the NFL. The 45-year-old quarterback now leading a team two games under 500 for the first time in his entire career. You no know, losing is no fun for any of us. His surprising return to football after a short-lived retirement allegedly leading to tension with Boonchin, who told Elle magazine in September, obviously I have my concerns. This is a very violent sport and I have my children and I would like him to be more present. Brady then taking an unprecedented 11-day hiatus in the middle of preseason. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on, so. Since the start of the year, Brady's biggest supporter, noticeably absent from the stands, the former couple now wishing each other the best as they move forward separately in the next chapter of their lives.
And attorneys for both Brady and Boonchin declined to comment on their divorce. As far as those social media posts, interestingly, neither one made any reference to the quarterback's decision to unretire and what impact that might have had, if any, on their family and marriage. Guys? Yeah, that is interesting. Hey, Sam, can you tell us a little bit more about these parenting courses that the two were reportedly required to attend? Yeah, Craig, this is pretty interesting. Several media outlets, not yet verified, though, by NBC News, are reporting that both Boonchin and Brady completed four-hour-long courses on parent education and family stabilization. Craig, it's actually law in the state of Florida when you have a divorcing couple, if their children are minors, to take those courses to help both the parents and the children deal with the fallout of divorce. Craig, back to you. All right. Sam brought for us there in Florida. Sam, thank you. All right. right. 7.43. Yes. Shall we check the trick-or-treating forecast? Well, you know, it's pretty warm. In fact, we've got some temperatures over the next couple of days, especially east, going to feel more like September. Look at Fargo, 66 degrees. That's 18 degrees cooler, uh, warmer than usual. Chicago almost at 60. Cincinnati, 68. Portland, Oregon, 60 degrees. New York, 64. Tomorrow, these temperatures off the charts just about. While 70 doesn't sound warm in Minneapolis, that's 20 degrees cooler than, uh, warmer than usual. Memphis, 73. Charlotte, 75. Baltimore, 73. And then the temperatures stay mild from Chicago, Buffalo, Boston, D.C., all the way out to Nashville into the weekend. And it starts off warm out west today, but they've got a big storm coming in that's going to be making its way across the coast, bringing in mountain snow, cold rains into the northwest today. Temperatures will be dropping with gusty winds up to 40 miles per hour. Tomorrow, those showers will extend from Nevada down into California. Mountain snow, strong winds, temperatures really start to plummet, and that rain and snow continues to drift into the Rockies. Some places could see in the Rockies and the higher elevations one to two feet of snow. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Roker. Up next, the excitement for yet another big event tonight, the Powerball jackpot. It is soared to a billion dollars. What you need to know before that historic drawing right after after this. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with my NBC neighbor, Jimmy Fallon, to talk about his 10 years as host of The Tonight Show, reflecting on his long career in comedy, his years at SNL, and yes, landing the biggest job in late night. A little time backstage with Jimmy Fallon. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We're not doing this together! We're not doing it at all! Say goodbye to your tickets! Can I come a little bit closer? Valuable things are getting squished. <laughs> now, what's more important, your friends or money? Friends! friends. Friends! <laughs> 
Well, Dr. Kevin right. Carson here. That's a clip of the Friends gang. They were feuding over a handful of lottery tickets. Yeah, well, mm. some people may be in a similar situation right now because tonight's Powerball jackpot has soared to at least $1 billion. Yeah. And here with hopefully the winning numbers is Stephanie Goss. That's right. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you've got them? Yeah, you got there it. it is. And it's, it's amazing that I've won. I, I mean, there's the ticket? formality of <laughs> choosing me. the numbers tonight yeah. at, uh-huh. at 10.59 Eastern. So that will still have to happen. But more than one person. But it's incredible because my chances of winning were 1 in 292 million. And those are the odds. And I wow. did it, which is really great. And there hasn't been a winning number <laughs> since August 3rd. 37 draws Who's going to tell her? Who's going to tell her? They haven't done the draw. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no, but I get a good feeling. Yeah, I get a really, really good, good feeling. feeling about That's this. It. I've been thinking about it. I'm going to go with the lump sum, uh-huh. which is $497 million. You can live off okay. And then what oh, are you going to well, do? You can, wow. except that it doesn't go as far as I was hoping. I was oh, looking into oh, it last night. Yeah. Here's no. some things you cannot buy. What? You're okay. going to be shocked. Okay. What? Major League Baseball team. Can't get that. No. Really? That, yeah. Not yeah. For a, a billion Wait, dollars? Yeah, well, a half, a billion. half a billion. Half, half a billion. billion. Yeah, okay. um, that okay. 600 foot super yacht I was on? Yeah. Yes. Turns out I can't get that. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. It's yep. like you didn't win. Yeah, I mean, there's a Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci painting out there that I can buy. Uh-huh. Um, but then I'd have to work to afford the place to hang it. Uh, so maybe that's yeah. not worth it either. Maybe just Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, easy for sale? <laughs> what do people go. do if they win it? Like, what do you do if you get? Do you lawyer up and don't tell anybody? <laughs> That's what they say. You got to get a financial advisor. Yeah. Um, you I'm have to. You have to make that decision about whether or not you're going to go with the lump sum or the annuity. That's my favorite. And, um, honest conversations with the, friends and family. Yeah, yeah honest uh, conversations. Uh, what you really should do is ghost them. Put it all in treasuries <laughs> and live off the uh, the interest. Yeah. But where's will you continue to work? Congratulations, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Good knowing you. No, no, I'll be back. Oh, okay. No, you won't. Good. No, like you won't. She's dressing up as a lottery winner for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. We're going to dress up coming up. I love the winner.